Good morning and welcome to our worship service today here at Sandoval and Boulder United Methodist Parish. I'm the pastor here, Michael Hall, and we're glad to have those who are able to be here in person as well as those of you joining us on Facebook this morning. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and share again the announcements that I shared with everybody that uh, is here in person this morning. Two main things. Starting next Sunday, we are going to be having worship at 10.30 instead of 10 o'clock because we are going to try to start having an outdoor worship service out at the Boulder uh, Church location. And that worship service will be at 9 o'clock in the morning. It is going to be a bring your own chair. Uh, Bring your own chair. Uh, Please bring a mask. And I'm going to ask that people try to space their chairs out a good 10 feet from each other. If you're living in the same household, you can sit together. But otherwise, please space out about 10 feet. Uh, That way we can uh, be meeting the necessary guidelines. It's going to be a very simple service. It's going to be me and my stepdad. We're not going to have any um, accompanying music. Uh, We're just going to sing a couple hymns. Uh, have prayer, and have our scripture and sermon that morning. So probably plan on around a 30-minute service out at Boulder. Um, We do continue to hope that uh, things will progress uh, more quickly so that we can start to see more normalcy in the not-too-distant future. Uh, The other thing is I do ask for prayers concerning we are having our annual conference uh, in the uh, Illinois region. The Illinois Great Rivers Conference is having their annual conference meeting next Saturday, and it is entirely going to be online. So pray that the uh, systems uh, work throughout all this and that it goes uh, easily and quickly and we don't have uh, too many issues along the way. That being said... Uh, Let us open with a prayer this morning. Gracious, holy, and loving God, as we gather here to worship, we pray that your blessings of peace and mercy would be with us. We pray, God, as we come into your house, that you would forgive us of our failings, that you would take us and break us where necessary and remake us into the image of your Son, that we might shine your light in the world. We pray, God, that you would help us, that you would give us your strength and your courage, And speak to us through your word this day. And let our worship be a pleasing thing to you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Let's do our call to worship. Brothers and sisters, come and worship. Even if you're tired and worn out, come and worship. Praise Jesus, come and worship.
this morning before we began our Facebook live portion of the service today, we lifted up uh, the names of those that we are praying for and joys and concerns. Uh, and so th at this time, uh, I encourage all of you, both those who are here physically present and those who are with us on Facebook, to take those concerns and worries and the things that weigh you down that you would uh, bring them to the Lord in prayer, that you would be drawn to Him to bring those things to Him, knowing that He does hear our prayers. He cares about us, and we can trust in Him. So as we listen to this song, let us come into a state of prayer and meditation to prepare our hearts to spend time with God in prayer. Gracious, holy, and loving God, we come to you today thankful and grateful that we can be gathered here into your house to bring you praise and worship. We give you thanks for the goodness of your love that you have shown us in the person of your son Jesus who came, lived, and died, and rose again that we might know you. Lord, we give you thanks for the compassion and the healing that you show us in our times of stress and sickness. And Lord, we come to you praying for those who are sick. Lord, we know of people who are struggling with this terrible disease, and we just pray that you would touch them and bring them healing, that you would lift them up and give them strength. Lord, we pray for the doctors and the nurses that treat us when we are ill, and we pray for your protection of safety upon them as well as they uh, go and do your healing work. Father God, we come to you praying that you would be with those who are struggling with anxiety and depression in these times, that you would give them your courage, that you would give them your encouragement and strength and peace that you would reveal to them that you are able to take care of all things, that you are stronger than all the powers of darkness in the universe. 
and that through you we can overcome anything. Father God, we pray your blessings of mercy and strength and protection upon our military and our law enforcement, our peacekeepers and our peacemakers. We pray that you guide, direct, and protect them, but most especially let them know that they are never alone, but that you are with them. And Lord, we pray for all who serve, but especially the friends and family of these churches. We lift them up to you. Father God, we pray for our leaders in government, both in our state and in our nation and throughout all the world, that you would give them your wisdom, that you might work through them and that we might see that day when your kingdom is made on earth as it is in heaven. Gracious God, we just come to you knowing you hear our every prayer. We pray for those that do not know you and that you might use us as your ministers to share your love with them that all might come to know the name of Jesus and be saved. We lay down all of our joys and concerns at your feet, praying that you hear us and trusting in you to do what is right. We continue to pray to you this day in the power of your Holy Spirit, the prayer that your son Jesus taught us to pray so long ago. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Our scripture for today comes from the book of Revelation, chapter 3, uh, verses 7 through 13. Jesus speaks again, and through John of Patmos, it's written, he says, Write this to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. These are the words of the Holy One, the True One, the One who has the key of David, who opens and nobody shuts, who shuts and nobody opens. I know your works. Look, I have given you an open door right in front of you, and nobody can shut it. Since you have a little power, you have kept my word, and you haven't denied my name. Look, this is what I will do to the Satan synagogue who call themselves Jews but who are frauds, nothing of the kind. Take note, this is what I will grant you, that I will make them come and worship before your feet and they will know that I have loved you. You have kept my word about patience and so I will keep you from the time of trial that is going to come upon the whole world. Test out all the inhabitants of the earth. I am coming quickly. Hold on to what you have so that nobody takes away your crown. Anyone who conquers, I will make them a pillar in the temple of my God. They will never go out of it again. I will write on that person the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my own new name. Let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our culture, the American culture, is a very mixed and convoluted thing and at times is quite contradictory. We value freedom oftentimes until it has a cost. We value a free market until our investments don't bear the fruit that we hoped. One of the greatest notions of, an Amer of Americanism that many have recoiled from lately is the old John Wayne notion of pulling oneself up by their bootstraps. To be self-sufficient, not needing help from anyone. It is a notion that I admit that I am fond of. I like to think of myself in some way as self-made. I studied hard in school, worked through college, managed to graduate summa cum laude without any special patronage at my college. I graduated and have managed to pay off all of my college debt. But if I dig a little deeper, the truth is I did have help. I had parents that helped with part of the college bills. I had teachers that, although I didn't have patronage from them, I didn't get any special scholarships from them. They did encourage me in my work. And I had friends that helped me through times of anxiety and stress. Honestly, if I'm being true to myself, there's really only one thing that I brought to the table, and that was perseverance. And even that, 
I may not be able to take full credit for, as we will soon see. We are continuing and getting close to the end of this series on the letters to the churches in Revelation. And the second to last church that we look at is known as the church in Philadelphia. I think most scholars agree that these letters were probably written and directed to specific real-life churches or house churches in these towns that are listed and, and given in this book, but they are also written in such a way that they have universal application. In other words, it's like someone wrote a letter to someone that was directed towards them and used language that dealt with their specific issues, but the overall heart of what's being said has universal application to anyone, anywhere, at any given time in history. What we get is that the church in Philadelphia, most of these cities were Greek cities, Philadelphia, uh, the city of brotherly love, uh, would have been a Greek community. We get this impression when we read this short passage to Philadelphia is that it was a church that was persecuted and weak. This was not the church that had all the money. This was not the church that had all the patronage and the clout that some of the other churches, possibly like Thyatira, had in their communities. Odds are in Philadelphia, the Christian community that was there was looked down upon by both the Jews. We get very clearly that the Jewish community there looked down upon this small church in Philadelphia. And they probably were looked down upon by the pagan Greeks as well. This is a church that is sitting in a spot where they are not really getting help from anyone on the outside. By worldly standards, they are weak. We don't really have any details, but probably some of the other churches would have looked at them as uh, ineffective. They are persecuted by those who think that they are in the right. But in spite of all of the things that are apparently going on against them, both written and unwritten, we are told that they persevere. I kind of picture the Church of Philadelphia as being like one of the small churches that I preached at before. That there may have been some of those who saw it as a church that didn't matter. But the truth is they held on and they stuck to it and they lived their Christian faith in a way that I think truly exemplifies what is given to us in the Gospels. We have a saying that is very loosely based on Scripture that says, God will never give you anything beyond your ability to handle. I'm going to throw a little bit of a monkey wrench into that. The truth is that many of us, probably all of us, have been in situations that frankly did not feel, we did not feel like we could handle them. 
Honestly, there's probably some of you that feel like all of what's going on in our world today that you can't handle it. And it's only by some miracle that we made it through. We like to think that things, the things we do, we managed on our own. But this passage in Revelation gives us insight from the heavenly realm that seems to the contrary. Instead, and, and understand that saying where we say God will never give you anything you can't handle, that's loosely based on Scripture. It's, it's an extrapolation. I think what we should be saying is that if we depend on God, He will give us everything we need to handle what comes our way. Do you see the subtle difference there? If we say... God will never give us anything we can't handle. It's basically saying, well, I have the full ability to deal with anything that comes my way. And the truth is, honestly, we don't. I think what we should say is, God, if we trust in him, if we follow him, if we put our faith in him, there is absolutely nothing that can come our way that God will not give us what we need to deal with it. The difference there is, is that it's based on his ability, not ours. God will give us nothing that he can't handle. I think this more closely aligns with scripture. And I think this more closely aligns with the passages that people have interpreted from Paul to think as that he'll never give us anything we can't handle. Perseverance, perseverance is merely the ability to say, God, I can't handle this, but I know that you can. I'm going to follow you and I'm going to trust you. It's not a matter of who you are. It's not a matter of what you have in terms of skills or abilities or the uh, mental capacity to deal with. It's a matter of who you claim to belong to. Jesus says that those who persevere and do not deny him essentially will not have their crown taken away from them. This is royal imagery going back to the garden in a way. You see, in the Garden of Eden, we were meant to be stewards, God's royal representatives to administer and care for the creation. And when we say care for the creation, that means, yes, care for nature. That, yes, that means care for the resources. It also means care for each other. Okay. But in the fall, we lost that place. We lost our position as God's royal ambassadors. But it's through Jesus' victory on the cross that our right to be children of God, children of the King, meaning that we have royal status again, is regained. And it's contingent on our willingness to follow Jesus anywhere, and it's contingent on what Jesus did for us on the cross, not what we are able to bring to the equation. To those who are faithful, we are promised that we will be given God's name and a new name. And I think this is relevant in the book of Revelation because later on we're going to see 
another instance of marking and names. And it's the antithesis of God's name, and that's the mark of the beast. And this is something that has been mysticized and, and a lot of imagery pushed upon it. And I'm going to try to unpack that for a moment so that maybe it'll make a little bit more sense. But you have to understand in ancient times to be marked with one's name means to belong to them. In the Old Testament, the Jews wore these, these things on their heads. I think they're called phylacteries that had God's name. It had God's scriptures in them on their forehead. It was a means of being marked with God's name. Jesus, whenever he looks at the Roman coin and says, whose image is on the coin? Okay, if it's got Caesar's image on it, it belongs to Caesar. What is made in God's image? Give it to him. To have one's image, to be marked with one's image, means that you belong to them. The mark of the beast represents the name of the beast and belonging to it. To be marked with God's name and the new name that he gives is to belong to God. The royal and garden imagery continues. He says, it says, we are also told that the faithful will be pillars in the new temple. We are told by Paul that we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. And the temple represented where heaven and earth met. Not heaven here and earth here, but heaven and earth met at the temple because that's where God's presence was on earth. And before the temple, we had the tabernacle. Before the tabernacle, we had the mountain of God. And before that, we had the Garden of Eden itself, the place where God came and walked in the cool of the day. In a sense, true Christians are walking temples. And where they are, God is also. Not that they are God, only that God is in them and with them as he was in the temple. The temple was not God, but it was the place where he resided. In the new life of now... We are the overlap. And this is something I really want you to think about for a moment because this is really big. This is really earth-shattering. Maybe it will challenge your paradigm of how things work. But in the life of now, we are that overlap between heaven and earth. We, wherever a Christian is, wherever a true Christian is, is a place where heaven and earth meet. And at the same time, we point to that great day when Jesus comes again and makes his forever home with us, bringing heaven and earth together forever as they were always meant to be in the bride and groom imagery that we are given throughout Scripture. This is great news for the believer, but it's not without warning. It says that there will be a time of great testing. Those who are true in the church in Philadelphia are promised that they will be spared that testing. Whether we can say we will be or not is another matter. We must be willing to face tribulation for the sake of Jesus if we are to be worthy of the crown that he offers. 
But once again, we can trust and have faith that we do not need to depend on our own abilities to do this. He has told us that he has opened the door that no one can shut. He opened it. We didn't. All we need to do is go in and trust that the one that is leading us will lead us to where we need to be. Perseverance is less about what you can do. And it has everything to do with what he can do. Do you trust him to lead you? Amen. Gracious, holy, and loving God, Lord, we come to you and ask that as we depart here, you would be with us, guide us, and direct us, protect us with your grace and your love and your shield of strength. We pray that you would give us the perseverance to trust in you and to follow you, and to know that you will open the path for us wherever you are leading us, that we can know that you will guide us safely home, and that you have all the power in the universe to do whatever needs to be done. And so we just ask that you go and be with us, bless us, and keep us until we meet here again. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen, and go in peace. Amen.